Hey, it's Lisa. Welcome back to another episode of The Wild Heart Diaries. How are you? Are you having a good week? I hope your February is going well. Well, it's February when I'm recording this. I don't know when you're listening to it. It's my birthday month. It's my birthday month. I'm a Valentine baby and I'm very excited to celebrate my birthday with my friends. I can't wait. Cake. Cake is the way forward. Cake and tea. Maybe a spa day. What, what do you, how do you like to celebrate your birthday? Sometimes when we come from um, dysfunctional families, just on a side note, I always refer everything back to that, but it's true. And I want to share these things because you might it might help you make sense of them. But sometimes we don't like Christmas and birthdays or Thanksgiving or big celebrations because uh, those opportunities were, or those occasions were opportunities for uh, chaos and drama. Perhaps they didn't end well. Um, perhaps they felt overwhelming. Perhaps they weren't really about you. Perhaps they were about someone else. Perhaps they were about your abuser. Perhaps your abuser was jealous of you and didn't treat you nicely. And had, and things always had to end in some kind of drama. So yes, yeah, worth, worth thinking about. But anyway, back to the nicer side. It's my birthday. It's my party and I cry if I want to. It's my birthday and I can celebrate it however I want. And so can you. Permission to do what we want. We're adults now. <laughs> so um, before we start today, again, I just want to say thank you for the feedback. It keeps on coming. So on Sunday, I was walking down to the river. I live in leafy suburbia and I live very close to the river. So I was walking down to the river to meet my friend and we were going for a coffee and a catch up. And I was I was actually listening to another podcast. I'll do an episode actually on, on podcasts that I find quite helpful and that I've learned a lot from and maybe YouTube channels and books and things. I'll, I'll do another episode on that. Anyway, I was walking along and I heard someone call my name, Lisa. And I turned around and this lady came over to me and she said, I was going to message you today. And then obviously I probably looked a bit dazed and confused and she said, I was listening to your podcast last night. She was like, it's brilliant. And she was like, you're so brave and um, I've, and it's really inspirational. And she said, I wanted to write and say thank you. I didn't even know how I was going to say that to you. So I said, oh, thanks. So we had a little chat about life and, and that. And um, and it really, it really touched me, actually. It really sparked something inside of me and gave me encouragement to carry on, to carry on with this and, and keep, keep talking. I was always shushed. Now you're not going to shut me up. <laughs> well, you got a pause button so you can, you can set the boundary and shut me up. You're not stuck in a room with me, are you? <laughs> well, talking of rooms, today we're going to be talking about the to carrying on with our conversations about the toxic puddle series. The first one, if you haven't listened to it, was just about what the toxic puddle is and how it impacts w wild hearts and, you know, some journaling prompts to ask yourself. So today we're going to talk about your physical space. But sorry, going back to bumping into that lady. Isn't it amazing how the universe just 
sends people and situations and puts things in your newsfeed and puts songs on the radio and sends little signs to reassure you that you are on the right track. I actually did an episode for the kids on my kids podcast to show the children that worried children who were always looking for danger to say to them, no, look for the signs, look for the good people, look for the helpers. Because, you know, when your brain's wired for danger, that's all you can think about and it's consuming and it's tiring. And so look for the robins, look for the coins, look for the feathers. And I also write about that in my book, Stuck Between Two Worlds. Ruby learns to look for signs that that life is communicating with her in a really positive way. And I like that. And it's reassuring. And um, I first learned about that actually in a book called The Celestine Prophecy, if you've ever read that book where they say that every person that you encounter is a teacher in some way. Yeah, some of the teachers I wish I hadn't met on my journey, the ones that caused me pain. I wish you didn't have to go through pain to and hurt to learn some of your greatest lessons. Who designed it to be like that? Gosh, it's a good job we're tough, isn't it? It's a good job that humans are very resilient you know, we're, we're, we're fragile and vulnerable and messy. And we're also incredibly resilient. Yeah. So, back to your physical space. I want to talk about your physical space. What does your physical space look like? I mean, if you want to feel a certain way, I want to feel relaxed and calm. I don't know about you. Because, I, 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 you know, sometimes chaos is raining inside my body, inside my mind. It's busy. I can't turn it off. So... Your physical space needs to be created and set up to um, to to evoke those feelings inside of you. So that's all. Oh, that's a journaling question there. So get your, if you're taking your journal out and listening, um, I'm going to be asking questions as we go throughout. But I thought what a good idea, what it might be a good idea if you like to draw, because I don't think we can always verbalise what's in our toxic puddle, uh, because if we were born into it, babies can't talk. So some things happened before we could talk. So draw a puddle on the page, get some coloured pens and, um, you know, just see what comes out and fill the puddle up with what you think is in your toxic puddle. Um, I call it toxic because it's no good for you. It's poisoning you and you can't see it. That's why I call it toxic. Well, there's so many things in life that are toxic, aren't there? You know, like the Wi-Fi signals and the additives in our food and the chemicals that they spray on our fruit and vegetables and um, the petrol fumes and the aeroplane chemtrails. You know, all the things. There's lots of things that are toxic if you see it in that way. But what happens is... You just live in this world and you just come to accept it and um, and you don't realise that it's slowly poisoning you. So another question I've got for you is, can you create a space just for you? So, you know, if you find yourself rushing off to the bathroom, because, you know, notice those ways that you're creating space for yourself. Have you got privacy? Do people knock on doors before they come in if the door is closed? Do you go on your phone to like break connection with people and to create space or or read the paper walk the dog like how are you creating space but is there a safe space inside your home that you can say is yours 
And if there isn't, I would suggest that you create one inside your mind. Now, I can teach you how to do that. If you go and buy my book, Stuck Between Two Worlds, go to the website. I'll put the link in the show notes. And on there is a free downloadable activity book. It's about 35 pages long. The first activity in there is called Creating a Safe Container. So when you're doing this work, so even when you're sitting down to journal, it would be great if you could be in your safe container. So you can create that space inside your mind. And it's very easy to do, I think, if you're a wild heart, because you've got a great imagination. You probably see things in technicolor. I see things like running a movie in my head. So you can create that safe space if you can't in your physical environment. But you, you, you live in this energy, You live in this energy all the time. Can you identify what could be creating stress? What is a source of stress in this environment? I'm going to go through some things in a minute. I'm going to take you through some things that might be causing you stress. And, you know, if you share this space with other people, how can you all contribute to being mindful of this space Your home is a sacred space. It's the place where you're meant to feel the most like you. And that's why it's really sad if you grew up in a house where you didn't feel safe. That you that you didn't have a safe place to rest. There was no love to rest in. You had to be on red alert all the time, watching out for what might be coming next. And you might even tell yourself, but we lived in a really nice house. You know, we had a six bedroom house and a massive garden and a swimming pool. Well, it means Jack. It means, Jack, if there was not one corner of that space that you could feel safe in. So don't minimise your pain by saying, well, it wasn't that bad. You know, we we had this beautiful house and I see that a lot where I live. So I live in a really lucrative area of the UK where there's a lot of money, ridiculous amounts of money, in fact. And what happens is when people come to you with their trauma stories, they feel like they're not allowed to have trauma because they have got so much money. And we saw this online when Prince Harry started to talk about his PTSD and he did his documentary, never mind all the drama around him and Miss Markle. But when Harry did that, people came online and said, he's a privileged white man. He's got all this money. He can afford therapy, yada, yada, yada. Yes, that's true. And we can have financial trauma poverty trauma that is true he doesn't have that but trauma is trauma and everyone's pain is is relevant to them it's all relevant so you can't really compare like you know you can live in buckingham palace and your mum dies when you're a kid and that will that pain will stay with you for your whole life and there's no amount of money and riches in the world that can fix that hole in you So don't minimise that pain. Don't minimise it. So I feel like I'm cheating a bit today because I'm going to pull some wisdom from an article that I found online um, by a lady called Ingrid Fettel. uh, Ingrid Fettel Lee. And she also did a TED talk called Where Joy Hides and How to Find It. But I'm using this because um, I, I did a decluttering workshop um oh you know and you get that other lady who's the lady that i can't think of her name now that does decluttering when you pick up an item and you say does this bring me joy marie kundo isn't it does this bring me joy no it doesn't right it's going to the charity shop um (laughs) 
but energetically like I've got a lot of old furniture in my flat that I've um shabby chiced up like that was a little craft project I had when I moved back into my flat of painted old furniture and put decoupage on it and done all sorts of wax and and chalk paint and all sorts of stuff and I once had a reading with someone and the woman said to me well you've got a piece of furniture in your bedroom and she said it's got a big mirror on it and she said it's carrying really negative energy wherever it comes from and she cleared it for me and that, that I, I know what that piece of furniture was and she also told me to put scarves over my mirrors at night because she said spirit comes to you through mirrors and um, spirit are visiting you in the night keeping you awake <laughs> I do have a lot of vivid dreams about things and sometimes they do come true. So, yes, scarves on your mirrors. <laughs> right. So I'm going to I'm going to talk you through this article um, because I think I'm going to talk to you about how your physical space shows where there's guilt, stuckness, shame. And overwhelm in your physical space. So. These will be energies, but they're attached to physical things. So let's have a look at this article. So Ingrid's website is called The Aesthetics of Joy, which I love. Where joy hides and how to find it. And joy can be incredibly hard to let into your life, as can love and abundance and money. You might not let that in because too much at once might feel overwhelming your body might only be able to take in so much at once especially if you're used to <laughs> the flip side of that of living in fear of feeling criticized of being in pain of, of, of and suffering so she starts off by saying you know cleansing your space um, might make you think of crystals and burning sage those two things are great by the way for cleansing your personal space I rented my flat out when I first started my business and I went back to live with my parents. Oh, that was an eye opener. I think it was my final attempt at uh, repair. Anyway, I rented it out and the woman who was in my flat turned out to be um, someone that works for an adult channel. I have to be careful what I say because I've, there's, legal, <laughs> there's legal injunctions around it. And um, my flat got totally trashed, uh, let's just say. And there was drugs and debauchery and all sorts of things going on here. And so when I came back into my uh, flat, not only did I have someone come in and whitewash all the walls, but um, I did a cleansing ceremony with sage. And I've got crystals all around my house anyway. I love crystals. I love them. They're beautiful. I don't necessarily feel their energy. Oh, I had a kid once. I've got this massive selenite wand, <laughs> said the actress to the bishop. It's not a euphemism. I have got a massive selenite wand. It's like a crystal wand. And I used to have it in my coaching room. And um, one day a little boy picked it up and held it to his ear. Because he said, what's that noise? I think it's the crystal. I could hear the vibrations of the crystal. That is a crystal child, probably, I would imagine. So, you know, this woo stuff is not as woo as it may appear. Just beware of spiritual bypassing. You know, you can't, you can't crystal and stage your way out of childhood trauma. You can't polish a turd, as they say, and put glitter on it. So, I'm going to, so this is, this is how she says, 
um, how different items in your house that you're holding on to show you um, where there's feelings attached to it, feelings that you're carrying that maybe you're not aware of. So she says guilt guilt is the first one arises out of things that we feel we should do but haven't done for one reason or another and um she says i have a tendency to leave things out to remind myself to do them so i'll I'll leave a card out if i need to say thank you to someone and then i'm confronted by that object every time i sit down at my desk and then you know i end up fulfilling that task and then she goes on to say that guilt can also come from self-betrayal when you violate your commitments to yourself so you you invest in workout gear because you've made a resolution to go to the gym and get in shape and then you don't ever wear it and then you look at it every day and that's killing your joy oh yeah that's a real buzzkill isn't it and then you shame yourself so you guilt but oh then I would then I would go into a shame spiral of oh you're so fat you never do anything look how fat you're getting I need to do a whole episode on body image and and that and in fact I can think of someone who could come on here and talk about that a friend of mine who's who's um, a body image coach so then she goes on to say maybe you need to find a different way to move your body that's more enjoyable to you or to give yourself a break and tuck your workout gear out of sight until you feel ready to recommit to it that's true isn't it like I like to move my body by going for a walk every day or dancing around my kitchen while I'm cooking to Michael Jackson normally or something or some old kind of like house music from the days when I used to go clubbing because that evokes positive feelings I mean music is so healing and so powerful I wrote my book to music I just plugged music in and wrote and it was just because it's just so emotional music isn't it it's healing it's definitely healing so where to look for guilt in your home so here we go with the journal prompts unfinished projects items related to hobbies or habits that you haven't made time for Things you've bought but never used. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've ever bought anything and not used it. Probably some kitchen gadgets, like an onion chopper. I think I've got an onion chopper and a salad spinner that I bought in a French market once. Well, the French love their salads, don't they? I used to live in France, but I never use it. Charity shop, <laughs> eBay. Um, the pile of books to read that you've lost interest in. So I always find it, interesting when people uh recommend books to us because people always give us advice based on what they're going through even when clients refer clients to me they've had a positive experience for me and I always have a startup session with clients because I might not be the right fit for that client I might not be the person that they need I'm not everyone's cup of tea you know And then the last one is gifts you feel like you should keep but don't actually like. Oh, no. Oh, no. I hate that because always when people buy you stuff, it's always or hopefully it's with good intent and they've got you in mind and you don't want them to feel bad, do you? So you say thank you. Um, Yeah. And, And holding on to stuff as well maybe she talks about that in here but I know that sometimes I hold on to stuff because I'm holding on to that person so I've held on to like all my letters that I wrote and received from my family when I lived in France when I was in my late teens because I'm holding on to that part of my life I don't want to let go of it but if you think about it all the memories from that part of my life all the energy from that 
time in my life is inside of me. So I get to choose what energy I let in, what energy I let out. Yes, the next one is regret. (laughs) So she said regret shows up in our homes um, and it reminds us to live in the present. So if we look around, oh, there you go, and see remnants of relationships that didn't work out or other disappointments, it can yank us back and make it hard to move on. There you go. That's what I was just saying. So you can be nostalgic about things. A major source of regret is spending. Oh, yeah. Don't they call that buyer's remorse? When you make a purchase and you've been wanting to buy something for ages and you spend loads of money on it and then you get it and then you go, oh, should I have spent all that money? Oh, that feels like too much. But that's a self-worth issue. Like you're worth it. If you've got the money, you're worth it. If you want it, have it. If you've spent money on something you don't use or you've overspent, the item can feel like a reminder of the lack of self-control or foolishness. And that's shaming yourself, isn't it? That's shame talk. And selling it to recoup some of the value might be an option, but it's also worth acknowledging the sunk costs. And living with something you hate won't put that money back in your bank account. And if you can afford to, let it go and keep the lesson for next time. So yeah, maybe if that's not a a pre-planned, thought-out purchase, that's an impulse buy. I don't tend to do impulse buys nowadays. I did do about 10 years ago. But most of the things I buy now are considered purchases, I think. So where to look for regret in your home? Journal prompts. Objects that remind you of relationships that didn't work out. I mean, that could even be photos, couldn't it? That could even be photos. Like, who have you got in what what photos of what people have you got up around your home? I've got quite a lot of um, positive affirmations around my home that are framed. Things you overspent on but no longer love. Mm. Just recently I did a bit of a declutter and I got rid of so many pairs of stilettos because I've been having problems with my feet. That's linked into my recovery. I shall talk about that on another episode. Because your feet are about standing on your own two feet. And one of them just doesn't want to stand on its own. So I couldn't wear high heels. And back in the day, I loved a pair of high heels. And I had boxes of heels that I'd bought that I hadn't worn. I bought them in America. And I'd been to New York on my little shopping trips. I love New York. I just love New York. I'm not just seduced by the glamour of the shopping I just love it as a city. It feels like a a great place to be. Central Park. Ice skating in Central Park. Sorry. (laughs) Back to the regret. Things that remind you of choices or hurts that you're struggling to leave behind. Yeah, so I put those positive affirmations in frames where there were once photos of my family. I actually put those photos into a pink perspex folder and I've put them away somewhere for safekeeping so the pink perspex folder just represents a pink energetic cloud of love so you know you can love people from afar you can detach with love and have compassion for their pain but it doesn't mean that you have to accept their maltreatment of you then the next one is shame So shame lurks in the vulnerable places in our homes, the places where we hold the tender heart of our identity and anywhere where our true selves rub up against the judgments of others, 
be that family or society, can be a place where shame might creep in. The closet, the bathroom, in the kitchen, places related to the body are especially prone to being sources of shame. Shame is one of the most insidious emotions that hides in our homes because it can often masquerade as joy. The tray of skincare products in your bathroom. Are these a joyful form of skincare or an attempt to erase your wrinkles that we've been led to believe make us less beautiful or worthy? The diet cookbook on your kitchen counter. Is it a tool for living a healthier life or a tool for trying to fit into a body deemed more socially acceptable? The reality is that often a thing is both. But if your encounters with it consistently make you feel less than, ask yourself if it might feel freeing to get it out of your space and your life. Wow, that's really powerful. It's empowering, isn't it, to know that you have a choice about those things. I love that because recently I invested in a eye cream and I didn't realize that the um, ingredients in it, and I can't remember what they're called now, I think it's a high, is that some kind of acid, not literally acid because that is toxic. Um, I want to say it's, I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, I bought this cream, Rock, R-O-C, other brands are available, um, and it made my eyes go all crusty and dry, and I thought, oh God, I'd rather have my wrinkles back, and you know, wrinkles are a sign that you smile a lot, and I do smile a lot, but then I've got a massive frown line in between my two eyes above my nose, because I'm constantly thinking and worrying about stuff. But they're just a reminder that you're a human being and your face, you know, reflects that. That's how you express your emotions. Like you see all these people with Botox and you just think, well, people are just looking more plastic, aren't they? Like dolls, not not like real people. And I find it quite sad. I can think of some people like, I suppose, like Judy Dench and um, Helen Miriam. They, they are older ladies that have grown old gracefully. And that lovely Betty White, that actress from the Golden Girls who, who recently died just before her 100th birthday. But they were beautiful because they were beautiful on the inside. And that energy inside of them radiated out. They were full of love and joy. Um, yeah, diets. Mm diets I find it hard to accept that my body shape is changing now that I'm into my late 40s you know I'm not the size 10 that I was when I smoked 20 silk cut a day and lived on a diet of rosé and fags and jacket potatoes with cheese (laughs) you know my body shape is changing we need to be kinder to ourselves and then she says um ditto with the um, opera albums, heady documentaries, oh, the pile of New Yorker magazines and the chunky non-fiction reads. If you love these things, they're wonderful. But if you want to read trashy romance rather than a biography or listen to the top 40 rather than an aria, then clearing out the things that you're supposed to like can ditch the shame and create more space for joy. Love that. Love that. It's empowering. You have a choice. Why have you got those things there? Who are you trying to impress? Who are they there for? Are they there for you? Do you like them? No, get rid. I always find it funny when you go into, because I used to nanny for people who had quite a lot of money and they lived in nice houses. And I always think when you go into a posh house that they have bog books, you know, like toilet books. So they have these kind of showy coffee table books for you to read while you're on the bog. Get those in posh houses, don't you? 
suppose you don't need them nowadays because you take your phone to the loo with you, don't you? That's a bad habit you need to break. Okay, so where to look for shame in your home? Oh, was that TMI? Oversharing. Skinny clothes, the ones you have, haven't fit into for a long time, but haven't been able to let go of. Oh, yeah, I did that with my, my latest eBay declutter. It's just keeping those coated skinny jeans from Primark size 10 going. If I could just lie down on the bed and suck my stomach in and no, 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 no. Clothes you don't like but feel you need to wear to look presentable to others. Now, this was a big one for me because as kids, whenever we had visitors to the house, we always had to put our best clothes on. When we came home from school, we took our uniforms off and put our play clothes on. But we always had clothes for when we had visitors. And I think I think that's quite old school. But for children, that's not nice to feel like a trussed up turkey when you've got people around to play and you feel like all wooden and cardboardy in your best stuff, which your mum keeps saying, don't spill food down it, don't do this, don't sit there, don't do that, don't touch that, wash your hands. You're a kid, you know, leggings and a sweatshirt every day and I find that that's my go-to uniform now not because I love the elasticated waist don't get me wrong I do but I don't want to be a trussed up turkey and I don't and I find myself that even when I go out to a nice restaurant to eat or I find when I'm going somewhere to the theatre or something yes I'll wear something nice but I'll wear something nice that's comfortable and I won't be a trussed up turkey I'll wear it because I like it more journaling stuff. Skincare products or cosmetics you bought to resolve a supposed defect. Dieting or exercise paraphernalia that you don't actually enjoy using. Mirrors, magnifying mirrors and scales. I don't actually own a pair of scales. I notice how I feel in my body now. I can tell when I'm putting on weight. My clothes feel tight. I feel heavy inside. I feel um, uncomfortable in my body and I just listen to my body magnify mirrors yeah the ones that magnify your pores and all your gray hairs no 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 we don't want those books music or other media that you feel you should like but don't actually enjoy yeah who who did you buy those for you know a lot of the things that we like come from our families of origin or what we were brought up with you know like my dad really liked the beatles and my mum really liked Motown, like Diana Ross and the Jackson 5. And I love that music because that takes me back to a younger self. And times where I was happy and carefree. I love music. I think it's so powerful. But I I wouldn't choose that now. So think about the choices you make now. And other people do influence those choices. But then just ask yourself, is it really me? Right. I think we're moving into the last couple now. Overwhelm. If you look around your home and feel overwhelmed, it may be because you've got a lot of things in your home that are demanding your attention. These are my friend, she says, life coach Anise Kavanagh calls these things tolerations, things that you tolerate but sap your energy in the process, a broken chair, a blown out light bulb, a picture that needs to get framed, a sweater with a missing button. Each of these things remind you of an action that you need to take. And when you've got lots of these kind of things, your home effectively becomes a giant to do list that you're living inside and it makes it impossible to relax. Oh, doesn't it just? And that to do list never ends. Things are always going to need painting and tweaking and washing and cleaning. You know, what's that poem? Dust if you must. Like dust if you must. What, what a waste of time when you're composting the ground. Are you going to wish that you'd done more dusting and hoovering? No, you're not. Of course you're not. 
Overwhelm can also come from your broken systems, like when your pantry's overflowing, your entryway is a mess, or your bookshelves are busting at the seams. These are signs that your organisational systems aren't keeping pace with your life. And maybe now that your kids are bigger, you need to... Um, you need a way to help them keep track of their coats and shoes and maybe you're cooking more and you need a better way to keep spices accessible and you know tweaking these systems can help you feel like you have a smooth foundation that helps your daily life flow that's the word doesn't it you want to be in a flow and alignment everything wants to feel effortless like chilled not stressful and overwhelming so where you'll find overwhelm in your home piles that need to be sorted I don't think they're talking about the ones on your bottom I think they're talking about piles of crap. I have little piles of crap everywhere, but they're meaningful to me. I have little piles of crap everywhere. Books and cards and papers. I know what's in them. Don't touch them. Broken things, things in need of maintenance, wood that needs to be oiled, batteries that need to be replacing, places where you repeatedly notice a sense of frustration or friction. Yes, that's the energy. And as a wild heart, you're going to feel that frustration and friction organizational systems that aren't working well so keep jotting down in your journal and notice what's appearing in your puddle and then the goal is not to feel overwhelmed by all the things the goal is just to slowly baby steps one day at a time eradicate those things from your life declutter them so we're on the home straight now we've got two more to go through anxiety anything that makes you feel on guard can aggravate anxiety whether that's having a home that's so formal you feel like you can't relax yeah show home I was raised in a show home or having a space full of sharp edged furniture that you're always bumping your shin on ouch or or when you bang your head on a shelf or a cupboard door that really hurts doesn't it I recently replaced my thin water glasses with thicker ones and was surprised to discover how much peace this created now that I'm no longer worried about breaking them every time I take them out of the dishwasher yeah it's just simple things like that, isn't it? Um, she says, as someone who suffers from anxiety, I'm particularly attentive to things in my surroundings that might stress me out. Um, and she says, where to look for anxiety in your home? Things that are uneven or wobble. <laughs> yeah, things that aren't symmetrical. I used to have to make sure my duvet was unsymmetrical before I went to sleep as a kid. One of my little OCD quips that I created. Awkward things that don't, quite fit or feel uncomfortable to use a chair that's too tall for a table for example Uh, things that jangle your senses with unpleasant noises or textures sharp edges that you have to be careful around fragile things that you're always worried about breaking and formal decor that you worry about messing up you know like a sofa that you don't want people drinking red wine near I mean I think if you've got kids you're not going to have many of those things are you because they're going to get wrecked (laughs) they are going to get wrecked at some point and you know not maybe not just by kids maybe by us you know we can be clumsy at time last one stuckness there's a feeling that doesn't exactly have a name but this is one I know a lot of people have been feeling due to the coronavirus she writes for a lack of better term let's call it stuckness my book by the way is called stuck between two worlds stuck is when you feel paralyzed by fear And you're neither living in the past, not living in the present, not living in the future. You just don't know where to go with stuff. That's my take on it, by the way. She writes, it's essentially a feeling that life is on hold and that you're not making the progress you'd like in some part of your life. And it happens when we're waiting for something in our lives to change. 
you know, like we're waiting, like I said, we're waiting for someone to come and save us. We're waiting to meet the man of our dreams. We're waiting to find the right house. We're waiting to find the right job. And, you know, in the pandemic, we were waiting for the vaccine rollout, weren't we? So that we could just get back to traveling and socializing and working and enjoying life. So maybe this stuckness one is important right now. Perhaps that's the first one to tackle. Perhaps life feels stuck and stale. Parts of our lives have covered in cobwebs because we haven't been able to experience them or attend to them because of the pandemic. I don't think people realize the impact the pandemic is having on us. You know that story about the frog is put in a pan of water and then they turn the heat up and then the frog doesn't know it's in boiling water because the water is getting incrementally hotter and then it's being boiled alive. You don't realize that you're in toxic environments because, you know, that's how it works. So she says, uh, feeling stuck makes us reluctant to invest energy in our space, which results in spaces that are unfinished or undecorated. I've been feeling like that, actually, because there's stuff going on with my flat and I've been wanting to travel and do things. And I've been thinking, oh, I need to replace the curtains. And I can't really, because if I move or if I travel, I, I, you know, I mean, I could just sell them, couldn't I? But I'm just not doing anything decoratively with my apartment. She said when I, when she was struggling with infertility, she put off decorating her bedroom, saying that she didn't want to go to all that trouble if they were going to have to move when she got pregnant. And the problem is living in temporary conditions serves as a chronic reminder of our stuckness and we never know how long the waiting will last. So, you know, three years of waking up in a bedroom with a blank wall just amplified the, the sense of stuckness. Um, your whole life is on hold. Yeah. I feel like I feel like my life has been on hold for a big part of my healing. I was waiting to see if things would change with my family, if they would contact me. I mean, they did, but it took them seven years. So I, I part, part of me, not all of me, I was still getting on. Part of me was waiting for mummy and daddy to come back and make it right. And then when they came back, they couldn't make it right. Because nothing had changed for them during that time. So when we are committed to our present homes, we also commit to our present lives. We can hold our future hopes more gently, knowing that our entire happiness doesn't depend on them. And we can trust that joy will come in the future whilst also creating spaces for it in the here and now. Isn't that lovely? Yes, we want to live in the here and now. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, hopefully I'm not going to get run over by a bus tomorrow. I was thinking that last night where I was wiping down my work surfaces. I was thinking, if you were to go tomorrow, would you be happy with the life that you created for yourself? See, this is what you do when you're a life coach and a deep thinker. You have these little chats with yourself while you're unloading the dishwasher, while you're cleaning the bathroom. Where to look for stuckness in your home? Spaces that are unfinished or undecorated, art propped up against walls that haven't been framed or hung, things that you might have been saving for the future that you could enjoy now. Yes, there was a story about a lady who had like a best coat and a best underwear and best dress and she always saved it for best. And then when she died, that's what they buried her in in her coffin because she never had time to wear it. Right. So every day I put on matching underwear nice underwear well unless you know it's that time but um yeah every day I use my favorite perfume now you know I don't just put on a a cheap body shop one for during the day and a posh one for when I go out at night every day I wear the smell 
that I love. I have that smell that I want the most. And that tunes into your senses, doesn't it? Every day I put the nicest hand cream on from Loxitan. Or Mr. Pawpaw. I quite like Mr. Pawpaw at the moment. Other brands are available. So, um, yeah, she's and then so that that isn't that amazing how you can clear out that negativity in your physical space. That is the beginning of your toxic puddle, guys. Hope you found that episode useful. Um, Next time on the Wild Heart Diaries, we're going to be talking about your mental and emotional energy that sits in that toxic puddle. So I shall leave you now. I shall love you and leave you until next time. Stay wild. Choose love. So much love to you. Bye.